nailed it this time. I got it down. Just like, just as if we were doing it live, Darren, I messed things up in open broadcasting software to give everyone that feel as if we were doing this live. Yeah, you want the kind of frizzle, the thing you can't capture in a recording, except we just did. That's right. This, like, this is akin to you know, filmed, uh, previously filmed live in front of a studio audience, that yeah. sort of thing. Except for we don't have a studio audience or a studio, or an audience. So, yeah, yeah, we do have a width, though, right? We have a what? A width. I don't know. I was looking for something in the phrase that we had. I was. I'm trying to be a positive, upbeat kind of guy. That's that's new, Darren. You're getting positive, upbeat, high energy. Well, we what this? We don't have all this stuff. We do have. We we do have a with. That's right. Because finally, I get to talk with Darren again about movies. It's been several weeks. I'm so yeah. excited. And what a fun movie to come back and talk about. Spoiler alert: uh, The Suicide Squad is a really fun movie. Yeah, I absolutely adored The Suicide Squad. I have somehow seen this movie four times uh, already, despite the fact I know it was only released in U.S. cinemas on Friday. Mm -hmm. It was released in uh, the U.K. and Ireland a week early for reasons possibly related to piracy, but also possibly because of Bank Holiday there to capitalize on possible uh, earnings. Mm -hmm. um, so I saw a preview. I saw it once with friends at the weekend. I saw it again during the week by myself just to soak it all in with an audience. And I watched it on uh, HBO Max uh, now to prepare for this. And it's it's amazing. It was such a breath of fresh air. We'll talk about particulars uh, later on. But like for me, this is easily the best blockbuster of the summer. Mm. And trying to explain why is kind of difficult because like the... <laughs> I think like having watched a couple of times and honed in on it, it's it's not necessarily that anything the Suicide Squad does is revolutionary outside of like literally featuring revolutionaries. Um, but I think it, it's I know, but it, it's more that like it does a lot of things really well. It does the blockbuster fundamentals really well. Mm -hmm. It is incredibly well constructed, does everything that you would want a blockbuster to do. And it does it like at a bare minimum above average and like at several points above and beyond what you would expect from a movie like this. Yes. And at the risk of sounding like cynical and pessimistic, I've been whelmed by the blockbusters that we've seen this year. I quite I liked A Quiet Place 3. I, I liked In the Heights a bit. I was less fond of like Cruella, Jungle Cruise, um, all the other stuff. Like I was I was remarking and kind of joking, half joking before I went into the Suicide Squad that is it possible that Zack Snyder's Justice League could be the best blockbuster I've seen so far in 2021? Oh. And I was like, yeah, there's a distinct possibility. And I mean, I liked that movie, but I wasn't like, I think my literal quote to you was, there's no way in hell that makes the top 40 films of the year. And then fate was like, huh, Darren, <laughs> we see you. But uh, yeah, after what's been a somewhat whelming year, I, I really found The Suicide Squad incredibly well constructed. It is mm -hmm. funny. It's clever. It hits all of its marks. It has a clear structure. It has solid themes. It has a good cast. It understands how to use that cast effectively. It does setup and payoff. It has an impeccable sense of structure. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a joy. It revels in being a comic book superhero movie in a way that not all comic book superhero movies so do true. and more really should. But what about yourself? What was your response to seeing? Well, uh, I mean, uh, a lot of the same. I, I enjoyed a lot of it. And and it's like the other, because the other part of explaining why the Suicide Squad works so well is that baggage that we're not supposed to pay attention to. Like, we're not supposed to pay attention to the clusterfuck that was Suicide Squad. We're not supposed to pay attention to the fact that the only reason James yeah. Gunn got to make, what? Jack, there, there's only ever been one suicide. This is called the 
Suicide Squad. Like, if there was another Suicide Squad, they would have called it a Suicide Squad. Ooh, you're right? absolutely right. I, I, I'm kidding, but I'm not really. Anyways. Right. Well, and we're not supposed to pay attention to the fact that James Gunn only got to make this movie because he was ousted over at Disney, only to be rehired at Disney. And so, really, this was this was a James Gunn freed of any sort of family friendly shackles that the Disney machine put on him and. And oh boy, like I'm not I'm not a huge James Gunn fan. That's something that needs to be said. I don't particularly like I like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I don't love them and I don't think they're the best. But we're going to like we're going to get there. We're going to get all there because I think James Gunn and I, you and I have had this conversation before, I believe. I believe that James Gunn is an incredibly talented director, uh, specifically when it comes to ensemble casts. Uh, I think he has a talent of sharing the focus with individual characters and letting individual characters live in their own cinematic space. As a director, he's phenomenal and I hate him as a writer so much. So would you go so far as to say you are gun shy? Ooh, I would. I would. He uh, he has what I like to refer to as the gun maneuver, which is a, a favorite joke of his, which is a very serious moment that's uh, all of a sudden underplayed by something, uh, by someone saying something dumb. Counterpoint to that is that like virtually every blockbuster has something similar to that these days in that like we, we talked a bit on like when we talked about Black Widow, it's mm. things like, oh, I was forcibly sterilized, but my dad feels really uncomfortable about it. Isn't that funny? That sure. Sort of stuff. I, I to me, to me, it's his. It's his timing uh, like there. And there's a couple of really specific examples here in the Suicide Squad where, you know, the punchline before the setup starts and you just go, OK, come on. Y yes, I understand what's about to come on, James. Like he's so at this point, his his undercut the serious moment joke is so obvious that I I find it frustrating. I find it more frustrating than anything else. It's interesting because like my immediate reaction coming out of like the Suicide Squad was, man, I wish more blockbusters took themselves as relatively seriously as this one does, <laughs> where it like it obviously like it has its big senses, a sense of humor. It has mm -hmm. its big jokes. It has its broad comedy. It has its moments where it like does lots of setup and really invests you in a moment and then pulls the rug out from under you. And sometimes you're expecting it and sometimes you're not. But like, I really respect the fact that when this movie goes dark and serious, it at least acknowledges that it's going dark and serious. Like there, there's a, there's a moment later on where like, then again, we're, we're not talking spoilers. We're assuming people haven't seen it yet. We'll jump into spoilers later on because I think there's fun stuff there. But there's a moment where a character who I cannot name because this is the Suicide Squad. And if I name them, you'll know they don't die, is confronted with exactly what has been happening in the location that they have been assigned to infiltrate mm -hmm. and the realities of that. And the film actually allows the character to sit with that. You get reaction shots from the character. You get the character barely able to articulate their response to what is happening and what they are witnessing. And you allow like the music to build and the moment to be played very seriously. Mm -hmm. You don't get a character going like, well, gee, this kind of reminds me of the movie Spoiler, which it is very similar to, or any other kind of ironic attempt to deflate the, the kind of sequence. Mm -hmm. The horror is played entirely straight. And I... I think that 
works. Like I, 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 it's odd that you go gun constantly undercuts like his big moments with humor. And my response is I actually find the gun punctuates his humor with earnestness. If that makes sense. And what, what I will say is th- so that is, that is my general criticism of the guardians okay. movies. And I do, oh, okay, sorry. I, I do feel like he, like I, I, in my notes, it was all like, oh my God, James Gunn is not pulling the gun maneuver until he pulls it a couple times really big and really obviously. But no, we get, we get characters just, you know, giving uh, expository dialogue, backstory dialogue, having real character moments and then nothing and then no joke afterwards. And you just go, oh, yes, this is what I would like. Yes, thank you. This is so refreshing, uh, which again, like we were told, like, I'm worried that like I talk about this and people are going to be like, oh, my God, it takes itself. So it's like Tenet or the Dark Knight or something like that. And it's like, no, no, it's not. It's a cartoonish fun yeah. block. It, it also the- exists alongside a, a humanoid shark, like chomping on people's skulls. Like it, it, it does that balance very, very well. The shark's opening line is book good. Me read book smart. Um, and, it, and like turns that into a character arc that you are actually like strangely emotionally invested in like i i had the pleasure of seeing this with an audience and i'm actually really happy to say that it seems to have done relatively well over here i I would see this playing very well to an audience yes and like it it plays them like an orchestra like there are moments when things happen and they are things that like if you're a critic or if you're wired to think about things it's like oh yeah i see the rug being set up so it can be pulled out a moment later from under us but you'll see the audience go ooh when when the rug is positioned and ah when the rug is pulled out uh, but there are kind of like moments where that you can see the audience being faintly moved by this gigantic like golf short wearing like descendant of a shark god um who like gets and again not not really a spoiler but the fact that like again gun takes this fundamentally absurd comic book premise and like make sure to include small beats like a moment where the rest of the team have to abandon him to infiltrate a location because he's a giant shark man and is not good for infiltrating but we'll cut back to the character sitting in the back seat of a van wiping his eye because he's been crying and expect you as an audience member to go that poor giant golf short wearing shark man and it works and it works. I think like this, uh, su- the Suicide Squad is where Gunn belongs as far as like hit, where he's comfortable and where he's really talented as a filmmaker. Um, let's see here. Um, let's see here. I, I wrote down I wrote down a note. Uh, he gets he uh, Gunn understands the point of Suicide Squad, which is this is a team of uh, like incredibly chaotic, neutral characters, and he is able to find the joy uh, mixed with these despicable characters and like the beauty in the grotesque. And he is able to weave that line in the suicide squad so perfectly. I'm, you know, one of the, one of the characters in the movie summons rats. Yeah. And that's a person we're rooting for and you root for them. It's beautiful. no, like not only that, not only do you root for the person root like commanding rats, and not only does the character commanding rats get a big heroic moment at the climax, and not only does the character controlling rats get a backstory that is fully expounded and turns them into a psychologically complex three-dimensional human being. Mm-hmm. That person who controls rats also gets to tie into the core theme of what the movie is about in a bigger picture sense, in a way, like 
again and again i again don't want to spoil it but like one of the things that i i have with modern superhero movies is the fact that they inevitably escalate to a computer generated urban devastation climax mm. and it's it's frequently like i think somebody described it as like circles of trash in the sky by singling out like the original suicide squad as a prime example where you're there's a hole in the sky and there's frequently garbage circling sure. it. and like you sure, know sure. like the avengers is a big one thor the dark world is a big one you could argue there's places of it in iron man too uh even like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadow. Um, have, like Age of Ultron turns the urban into the like trash circling in the sky. It's like so concentrated with this kind of imagery. Um, and like all that stuff is there. And like this builds inevitably to that sort of climax. But it works so well because everything within that climax is meticulously positioned like a domino mm-hmm. to pay off like a slot machine when it hits. So when this gigantic CGI monstrosity wanders through this urban environment, like potentially murdering civilians in their hundreds of thousands, and when the characters are confronted with that, the movie has made sure that not only do you understand the stakes, uh, not only do you understand the monster, not only do you understand the individual characters, their perspective their motivations and why each of them is reacting in a slightly different way but towards a common purpose the movie's also able to pull the switch and have like a ball that was thrown in the air via flashback in a van window half an hour earlier pay off dividends and go yeah this is the theme of the movie something you saw reflected in a window becomes the core thesis statement of what this movie is and that sounds absurd but I, like, and, and this is the thing with Gunn. Like, I, and I, I get your criticism of Gunn as a guy who is very heavily reliant on jokes. Mm. What I think Gunn is, how, why it's, I think Gunn works really well. I think oh, Gunn is bad at telling okay. jokes. Okay. That, <laughs> that's my specific criticism. Uh, this is it. Yeah. Okay. This is interesting because I, I, I have a kind of a take on Gunn that I'm worried I'm going to talk to a comedian about now and get told how wrong I am. Right. It's one of the things. It's fine. Yeah. No, no. One of <laughs> You, you know this better than I do, but I'm going to talk about it like I pretend I do. But no, we talked on the podcast before about like comedy and comedy being the rule of three and the importance sure. of rule of three yeah, yeah. in terms of telling a joke. And it's not just telling a joke. It's, it's set up elaboration and then subversion. Mm. And then that's where humor comes from. Darren says having a whiteboard and marker explaining the joke because nothing nothing is funnier than explaining where humor comes from. Um, <laughs> but like as a general principle, that's what it is. That's why it's Patty Englishman, Patty Irishman, Patty Scotsman and all that sort of stuff. Right. But it also works for storytelling, where if you want something to land, you generally set it up, mm-hmm. you remind the audience of it and how it works, and then you deliver on the potential or you swerve it or turn it around mm-hmm. on its head. And one of the things that I've noticed on rewatching The Suicide Squad is that you mentioned that this is a movie about chaotic characters, and it absolutely is. And it's structured in such a way, and I, this is what I love about it, it is structured in such a way as to like draw your attention to how chaotic it is, because mm-hmm. it's constantly jumping around in time. It's frequently stopping. It's like, there's a, like the introductory sequence happens, and then it's three days earlier, and you're like, oh, okay, we're get, now we're getting this explained. There's a moment towards the climax where like a big character moment happens, and a huge betrayal and then the movie just kind of stops and goes eight minutes earlier and then jumps to another location to bring everything up to date mm-hmm. right which is this idea of kind of like being ca- and like there are several points in the movie where the characters have a linear objective and like this is not a spoiler that the objective is get to a place called Utenheim. And it's like, that's the mission. It's a straight line, but the movie is constantly structured so that the characters keep dysfunctioning and branching and going off in odd directions and doing things that don't get them closer to Jutenheim, but do fulfill like 
thematic narrative or character purpose. Mm-hmm. But underneath all that gun, and this is where I think like guns, like this is what I love about the movie, where I talk about it being very good at fundamentals. Gun makes sure that despite that seemingly chaotic structure, despite those seeming narrative dead ends and loose threads, he's always careful to establish key beats at least three times, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he's, he makes sure to tell the audience something, remind them of it, and then pay it off at the climax. So to, to pick an example, Ratcatcher 2, you have Waller at the start mentioning that her father's dead. You have Ratcatcher 2 explaining her relationship to her father. And then you have at the climax, Ratcatcher explaining to his daughter why rats. And that's that's important and that pays off. Small things like, like Bloodsport, you know, talking to his daughter and telling her that any good in me was wrung out by my old man. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have him facing Sebastian and Ratcatcher 2 saying, he senses there's good in you. And he just says, there's no good in me. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you have shock horror. There is good in him after all of that. Like, like all of this <laughs> right. is set up and paid off mm-hmm. like ridiculously well with like things like Amanda Waller at the start says, I'm going to make you a leader, Dubois. Then you have an argument with Peacemaker about whether Dubois is actually a leader. Then you get Dubois being a leader. All of this stuff is like, it's such basic storytelling, but Gunn does it so frequently and with so many details yes. that it just lands perfectly like everything in this movie and again this is the thing where you mentioned him working really well with ensembles i think one of the things that actually benefits him working with ensembles is that like because the cast is so large he gets away with being so heavy-handed for lack of a better word with the setup because your attention is split in so many Mm. different directions Mm -hmm. like if this were just a blood sport movie you'd be like man they really hammer that blood sport theme really hard but it's like no my attention is drawn to polka dot man (laughs) and i have to find out that like oh polka dot man uh sees his mother every time he kills somebody polka dot man's mother abused him as a child and polka dot man resolves his issues with his mother like okay grand that's but i'm also focusing on rat catcher at the same time and like like it's so well done and it's such a again i i wonder if like that is a thing where gun being a director who is good at comedy translates very well to him being a director who is good at this sort of storytelling i i think so i think like uh, and and again like i i think he uh, with, with a few of his jokes uh specifically in the suicide squad i believe that they're told poorly i don't like a lot of his jokes in the guardians movie but i i think he is in general able to weave that humor into these very like real character narratives and it's all it's all stuff like over to, to get a little theater nerdy. Uh, yeah. I, I don't. I don't want. All <laughs> oh, right, great, great. Like we something that is drilled into people is no care say right which is if you have if you come on stage as a character you know what you're doing you know your own backstory you care about what you're doing and you care about your backstory and then you say what you're doing and you say your backstory that way your scene partner knows what's going on and the audience knows what's going on and so many people try to like take time and plant little seeds and watch them grow. And for some movies that works great. But like you said, this is a big, fast action, heavy, sometimes very dumb in a good way, summer blockbuster. So guess what? We don't have time to plant those seeds. This is who the character is. Go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like we were saying like a big dumb, it is a big dumb action. It's yes. unapologetically a big dumb. <laughs> yes. And like, yes. This is the thing. Like, 
people ask like what this movie is like and like you get this thing with superhero movies where everyone's all like oh well winter soldier is a 70s paranoid thriller in a superhero movie this is very much a kind of like 80s men on a mission like i would argue the closest no the closest <laughs> movie in relation to this is probably predator because it feels like it feels very much because it's it, predator is you drop a man on a mission into uh, a situation turns out ah there's an alien monster and it's like Suicide Squad is kind of that premise. I love and, that. Like, I love that. Very much like, and, and you can tell in terms of like its politics and its setting, it's set in Central America. Mm. It uses Corto Maltese, which is like from Frank uh, Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, which is a very Reagan era um, comic book or graphic novel and is tied to those themes where Superman is America and Corto Maltese is like Central America. Mm. But even like outside of that, you have things like at the climax, there's a moment where like a bunch of files appear and one of them is Reagan shaking the hand of a character who you know is involved. And like, it, it's it's incredibly, like it knows what it is Mm. it knows where it's pitching itself and it doesn't feel at all embarrassed by it which is amazing like that's the real point yeah like i i love comic books i say appearing in a room full of comic (laughs) books um but like and we we talked about this before we talked about like marvel movies Mm. and like marvel have done a tremendous job realizing things on on screen i think like again the example i keep coming back to and i'm sorry i keep quoting you back to yourself but there's a moment we were talking about wandavision and you said like there's a moment when you just sit down and you go there's a witch who's fallen in love with a robot and this is moving me inside myself. You're like, yeah, that is mm-hmm. that is the beauty of these kind of stories that they commit to these things. But at the same time, there are also things where it feels like even the Marvel movies tend to be like, oh, maybe we should take things a bit more seriously. So like Thanos in uh, the comic books is a dude who has a literal hard on from death. It's like, right. it's like, it's say anything. He's showing up outside death's house with a boom box and he's like, pay attention to me. Uh, I'm really into you. But the, the movies are like, no, nah, it might be a bit much. Let's just make him a crazy environmentalist. Yeah, um, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, you, you get things like the Thanos copter and they appear in Loki and it's very cool. But like with this, what I love is that there's there's none of none of that protective irony. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are characters who appear here from like 80s comics who appeared in a single issue. And like the makeup, like because Gunn presumably would have to like green light budgeting their makeup through Warner Brothers, their makeup consists of just somebody drawing a design on their face and i absolutely adore that the the monster at the end of this you know there's a there's a big character from dc comics lore at the end of this who i never thought i would see on screen at a live action (laughs) movie um and who is who is rendered like he stepped off the cover Mm. of like the brave and the bold who like a 1960s version he doesn't look like say the grant morrison howard porter 90s reimagining and like that wasn't like dark and gritty or edgy but like he looks like a 70s sorry a 60s version of that character and the movie's like yeah mm-hmm. yeah this is a thing that is happening get with it or get out of the way that's that's <laughs> like well and and by the way from beat one of the movie i think like the what's going to be most fun for film nerds is comparing and contrasting the suicide squad to suicide squad and how they handle the premise in general which you know we've something we've talked about a lot but to reiterate there are still more people who watch movies than read comics people know these characters through movies or television shows more than comics because comics are still incredibly yeah. niche and so i am single-handedly keeping it in business. it's just um, darren at this point yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so like just getting across the premise of the movie the the 20 minutes that that took in suicide squad was unbearable 
And I want to say that they got it accomplished in The Suicide Squad in under 30 seconds. I feel like 20 minutes is very generous. Like I, I like I and again, this is the thing where I am hesitant to dump too much on the suicide uh, on the original Suicide Squad, because it like I, I honestly think the reason that was screwed was like the studio and the fact that they brought in the people who edited the trailer, yeah. which is a bad decision, um, a very bad like. But like there are like they introduce like Suicide Squad is so afraid that the audience won't get the concept that it introduces most of its major characters three times like it tells you who deadshot is three times before the mission actually starts it's it's not 20 minutes it's like 40 minutes and like to the credit (laughs) of this of the suicide squad like it jumps right in like you have like rick like savant is your window into it you have like michael rooker who's fantastic he's he's brought up like and and the editing like again the the editing is fantastic because it's like the movie's like look you're fine. Like the, the concept sells itself. It's a suicide well, squad. And they're in. You have yeah. Amanda Waller. Well, uh, again, uh, yeah. no, no care say. Amanda Waller just tells the audience, okay, yeah. uh, criminals going on a mission. If you if you run away, you get your head blowed up. Uh, if you do well, you get time off your sentence. Go, run, go. And I, and I, I love that the movie's like not a single shot here lasts longer than it needs yes. to for Viola Davis to get the information across, which I. And, and then, like, and again, don't want to be too spoilery about it, but like, and then it shows you the concept in action, yep. and then it allows the movie to start, um, which is again, it it's this wonderful thing where it shows rather than tells, yes. which is remarkable. And again, what I, and again, this is probably something we should save for later. But one of the things I absolutely find fascinating about the Suicide Squad, particularly in comparison to Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. is the way in which like. Gunn not only like looks at the comic books and like understands the assignments so to speak like this is very clearly a guy who loves comic books mm-hmm. and who is like yeah I finally get, I get to make a comic book movie and like I think I was talking to somebody like a fellow Irish film critic about this and we're like you know the thing like part of what makes the Suicide Squad so fun is that like you look at the typical career project you know career progression for a for an artist now and it's like small indie lots of heart really great storytelling comic book movie comic book movie comic book movie um and it's like you know studio interference studio interference studio interference and you you wonder like you look at things like say barry jenkins directing the lion king 2 and you're like that's great i'm really glad he's getting paid and it's probably better than somebody else directing the lion king 2 but it's also like how many moonlights am i going to miss out on for this how many if beale street could talk am i going to miss out on whereas you look at like james gunn doing the suicide squad and i don't want this to sound dismissive because i'm like this is genuinely one of the best movies of 2021 i've seen so far um but it's like gunn is exactly where he needs to be and exactly where he wants to be and i i don't feel like i know he did like tromeo and juliet i know he did slither i know he did super I don't feel like I miss. I don't feel like he's feeling unsatisfied by doing this. I don't feel like I'm missing out on any potential like gun classics by him doing this. Um, yeah. This just feels like the perfect place for kind of him to be. Mm-hmm. And what's remarkable about the Suicide Squad as compared to Suicide Squad is that he. It isn't that he reinvents it. It isn't that he reinvents the wheel. It isn't that he he does something entirely new and proves that the concept works if you approach it a different way. What he does is he does a lot of the same things that didn't work in Suicide Squad and instead says, no, what what you just need is like a distinctive vision, a confidence, a style and a swagger Mm -hmm. that like 
bringing in a trailer company to cut it like a trailer won't do. So like you see a lot of the familiar tricks in, in from the first Suicide Squad. So things things like, for example, um, the, the father-daughter relationship, mm. which is very much ported over from Deadshot. Deadshot and his daughter versus Bloodsport and his. But Gunn is like, wait, well, you see, there's no real tension if the character like loves his daughter at the start and continues to love his daughter and at the end still loves his daughter. He doesn't really have an arc. There's no real progression mm-hmm. there. Whereas Gunn is like, okay, what if we start with the character having a strained relationship with his daughter, then progressing through learning to care for another character like a surrogate for his daughter, and then have his daughter realize that she actually loves him. And it's like, there's a workable arc from the same basic ingredients you gave me there. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me we're supposed to show the character arc? Yeah, I, I know. Crazy that is. But e- even things like, you know, again, the, the soundtrack that is full of needle drops. Mm. And it's like, you know, in the Suicide suicide Squad, there's something like 10 needle drops in the first 30 minutes. Uh, and you're like, yeah. And you're like, God, the budget for this must have been that of a small country. It could have resolved <laughs> Colto Mortiz's kind of all of Corto Mortiz's problems if they just donated the kind of soundtrack budget. Mm. Whereas this has similar, like, again, it's a James Gunn movie, has a lot of needle drops, but they're a lot more efficient. Things like, like, even even small things, like the Suicide Squad doing that weird thing where it flashes up information in front of you to let you know about the characters and what's going on so fast you can't read it and not funny enough that you want to pause and read it anyway. It's just a bunch of visual noise designed to beat the audience into submission. Mm-hmm. But the Suicide Squad instead, like, incorporates that text into its scenery and use it, like, it's, it's, like, it's actually beautiful and uses it to kind of like tell a story so things like eight minutes later appear in clouds three days earlier appears in like suds around a toilet um, the words now blow across the screen and leaves meanwhile harvey harley mm. is painted in kind of white. and like guns talked about how and i i don't want to be the film nerd about this because i think like obviously a lot of this is cgi but i love like gun made a point to use surprise a surprising amount of practical mm, effects sure. like there are two sebastians that the, the rat sebastian was actually on set. There were two rats playing the role, one of which, and I love this, was called Crisp Rat. Crisp Rat? Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, But even things like those transitions were like actual physical objects. They actually physically existed so he could move the camera around them, which which I adore. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, like... The, the, the wonderful thing about it is that, like, the Suicide Squad is like, no, the, the concept's not broken. The concept fundamentally works. Many of the elements that you use to try and make this concept work last mm-hmm. time are solid. You just need to use them well. You just need to, like, have a distinct artistic vision behind that's, them. That's what makes the Suicide Squad so special from a, from a intellectual point of view, because we have all of these other reference materials that we can now go back on and see, like, look, like, on paper, these two things are kind of the same thing, but what's different about them? That's the fun of it. That's what makes yeah. one work and one fail miserably. I mean, like, even, even like the lead casting, right? And like, the thing is, like, Will Smith is a movie star. Hmm. Will Smith is like, and I, I, I love Will Smith. I think Will Smith is one of the most charismatic leading men around. Like, even in something like Aladdin, which I did not like, mm-hmm. he works as well as any modern actor could in the role of the genie because he's a movie star. He's one of the only ones to exist. And like, the core premise of a movie star is they want you to like them. Mm-hmm. They radiate an energy that draws you in as an audience. The idea is the movie star is enjoying being in the movie. So you as an audience member enjoy being watching them being in the movie. And that is like 
antithetical to the concept of like Suicide Squad, where the entire premise is these characters are only doing it because there are bombs in their heads and they don't really want to. Mm -hmm. But you look at like you look at Will Smith at playing Deadshot and you're like, that is a man that I trust. Like that is like that is that is like sure he kills people for money, but he loves his daughter. Mm-hmm. And like he's he's less of a sociopath than most of the people around him. And like so you, like we there's no real arc or no real progression there, but he plays against the concept of the movie. Whereas with the Suicide Squad, like gun cast Idris Elba, who is like he's technically second lead behind Robbie, but he's he's functionally the lead of the sure. movie. And like what I love about Elba and like one of the things that one of the art, one of the reasons why I would argue Elba hasn't had the Hollywood career that many of his fans, including myself, would want is because Elba does not radiate that particularly enthusiastic. I'm I'm happy to be here and I hope you're happy to have me here. Energy that most movie stars have. Instead, Elba kind of <laughs> energizes this. Look, I know I'm capable of doing this. You know, I'm capable of doing this. I don't really want, I could probably be doing something much more productive than doing this. And so you get that kind of like juxtaposition with Bloodsport where you have this thing where Bloodsport is incredibly capable, incredibly like aware of the situation around him and competent enough that you can buy him in this situation. Mm -hmm. But there's this constant sense of, this is a man who on some level resents the fact that he has been made the lead of a su- of a superhero movie. <laughs> like there, there are beautiful moments where like, like, and again, it's one of the moments from the trailer, so I don't feel bad spoiling it, but like at the end when the monster is revealed and this dark secret and the like comic book craziness rampages across Corto Maltese, the reaction shot of Idris Elba going like, Waller's like, are you there? Are you there, Bloodsport? And he's like, uh-huh. Um, or, 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 the, or the moment like after after the monster had like there's been a big attack and mm-hmm. there's all odd stuff flying all over the place, all comic booky weirdness that he as like a trained assassin is not prepared for. And any other any other actor would be like, what the fuck is going on? And like Elba's response is just to play, what the fuck is that? As if to say, what fresh hell is this? Yeah. What are like, why can't I go home? <laughs> what, 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 what has happened that is preventing me from going home? <laughs> Which I, and again, it's, it's something that plays so well mm. into the concept of the movie because like the whole point is, yeah, Bloodsport doesn't want to be doing this. It 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 all works so well. Um, something I think is really neat. Okay, so in general, I like Marvel movies. I I think they're perfectly like they're acceptable movies. I like sci-fi and I like action comic book movies. They're sci-fi action movies. I enjoy them all. Obviously, like you know, to varying yeah, degrees, yeah. but you know, middle of the road. And something that I think. The Suicide Squad does that is a big mark against the Marvel movie machine is its personal it injects personality into the action sequences. Uh, so much everyone who has a big action set piece it feels like their own movie and again that is like guns that is Gunn's uh, talent there is like it is it is a uh, Harley Quinn's time to shine. Guess what? This is a Harley Quinn movie. Oh, uh, lots of colors, lots of bright colors, bright and colors and psychedelic yeah. imagery. And this is her fight scene. We are going to we are going to showcase Harley Quinn as a character. Perfect. Now this is this person's fight scene. We th- now this is this person's movie. We are going to showcase that person. There, there was a fight scene. There was like a minute of a fight scene shot in the reflection of a helmet. That is not something that Marvel would let happen. 
Yes, this is exactly <laughs> like what I wanted to sing. Like, like yes. again, like, and, and we talk about Gunn and we talk about Gunn. Like, I don't necessarily think Gunn is like a great visionary director, whatever the hell that means. I don't I don't think he's like, I don't think people are going to like dissect his films like Kubrick. And that's that's great because like, I, I think they're really fun movies. Mm -hmm. But he does have a very distinct flair and he has a very distinct aesthetic. And he's happy to make things his own. Like, this is the thing where was it Lucretia Martel um, was came in and she was asked by Marvel, would she like to direct Black Widow? Mm. And she was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I have not directed an action movie. And they're like, oh, we have we have a team that does that. Like, well, second unit stuff, guys, we trust they'll all do it. And, and you know, you don't have to worry about that. And her response is, it's a comic book movie. Why? Why would I want to direct a comic book movie if I can't direct the action sequences? Um, and Gunn, to his credit, always picks his own assistant directors, even mm -hmm. on the Marvel films, even on like Guardians of the Galaxy stuff that he does. Um, and like a lot of that stuff works really well. And he does things like incredible like distinctive choices that he makes as a director like you mentioned that sequence with the helmet like, which is great and it's it's one of my favorite shots in the movie mm. because it it feels like it's something that you would not see like that would not get past and not just marvel something like jungle cruise wouldn't get sure. away with a sequence yeah, yeah. like that for example um and like the thing about that is like guns not being artsy fartsy or whatever that means as soon as it becomes impractical as soon as it risks obscuring the action he cuts away from mm -hmm. it it's just something that gun thought looked really cool at the moment and was like as a director was able to go i should put this in a movie <laughs> yes. and like there are lots there are lots of things like that where like you i can guarantee you that mm -hmm. and again it's it's i don't I, like I'm not singling out the Marvel movies because I, I think like there are Marvel movies that have distinct personalities in them. I think his Guardian movies are his. I think mm -hmm. like Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok is Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok. But like sequences like the the bird imagery, like Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad is saturated with bird imagery. Mm -hmm. Right. And the movie occasionally draws your attention to it by having Harley Quinn going. Yeah. But do they know about the birds or like, you know, uh, King Shark going word um but it never it never has a moment where the characters pause like look at the characters and each other and go like choke their thin chins and go you know you ever look at birds and think that maybe they should be like free to to be their own people and not trapped in cages and like have bombs put in their head and forced to do terrible things for their country you know you never look at birds and think about that mm. the movie doesn't hammer you over the head instead gun as a director just goes yeah birds they look cool um they're a nice recurring visual motif they tie into the themes of the movie and that they are beautiful things that exist for the sake of existing. Their purpose is that they look lovely mm -hmm. and they contribute to the ecosphere and they are, are subject to nobody. And like the movie just like comes back to this imagery again and again and again. The opening establishing character beat for Savant is killing a bird. Um, and then you get the wonderful punchline later on where maybe a bird gets its revenge on him. You have like Luca, General Luca has his own little cage full of all these beautiful birds that he uses to seduce Harley, just as he is arguably threatening to put her in a gilded cage as well, mm. because symbolism. But Why like, does the again, caged bird sing? Oh, yeah, we these are... And, she, she does literally sing later on in case you don't get the metaphor. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. but, like, but like, I like I love that the movie, like the movie trusts you as an audience member to either like get it conceptually mm -hmm. or just go, man, birds look pretty. Um, which, which is a perfectly valid reaction. Yes. Um, well, and, and again, I, I like, I don't want to be 
I, I don't want to seem like I'm coming down harsh on gun. Obviously, like I have my personal issues. We don't mesh in a couple ways, but like I like the way you make it sound like gun stole your coffee one time. Like oh, I have my personal right? issues with James Gunn. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, he and it was clearly like it had my <laughs> name on it. And yeah, James Jack, kind of similar. I could see maybe he he picked it up and he just saw the J.A., but it was my coffee. And then I had to drink the other coffee, which had cream and sugar in it. It was anyway. And as a result, you're gunning for him. Oh, dang. But but see, like this is the 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 wonderful contrast of James Gunn and why I do believe he is an incredibly talented director. All of that thematic stuff, uh, like like you said, the birds, the helmet Im- imagery, that's there, that's in the background. You, you want to look into it more? That's fine. Yeah. Anything practical that has to do with characters and plots, I am letting you know what's <laughs> happening because this is a big crazy movie yeah. with a big crazy space monster. You need to know what's happening. <laughs> And it's like hammer that down. Yes. It's just like yeah, it's because that's what we need. Oh, I want to. If I get lost in this movie with people with superpowers and big crazy aliens, I'm going to get lost. And he he makes sure you never get lost. Well, more than that, I'd argue that there's so much going on that even if you do get lost on a couple of things, and there are probably things that like I didn't quite entirely pick up on on the first viewing. Mm. Like I didn't pick up in the first viewing how much the movie made me care for Rick Flag, which is an insane sentence to say. Um, and we want I want to come back to that in the spoiler zone again. But like uh, just the contrast between the Suicide Squad <laughs> movies. I, I there was you could not convince me that Joel Kinnaman was a good actor before seeing this movie. <laughs> To be fair, he's good in uh, The Killing, the TV show The Killing, and he's good in, um, was it Pusher, his original? Is it is that a Danish or German movie? Oh, I, I, I think it's Danish. Oh, yeah. But like, like the problem is that like <laughs> American blockbusters do what the original Suicide Squad did, which was try to make him Mr. All-American, yeah. which is the most boring thing you can do. Like, he was terrible in the RoboCop remake. And I, I think he's a good actor. But like, the thing is that like Gunn, like... Gunn structures the movie so that even if you don't get all of the little things he's hammering down, he's hammering down enough of them that you will get three or four of them and go, ah, that works. It's like the ja- take the javelin, for example, like the, the movie draws your attention to the javelin repeatedly mm-hmm. so that even if you if you don't get the metaphor of the rats and the birds, you get the metaphor of the javelin. And like the thing is, all of those metaphors are going to the same place, which is like, what is the purpose of a thing? What is like what? <laughs> is a thing for um and so like if you miss the rats if you miss the birds the javelin is right there Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and like and again it it, it sounds like i worry that when i talk about it it sounds really condescending it's like oh it's so obvious it's so heavy-handed but like it's a loud movie and there's so much going on that like making sure that as you said the audience always has something to grab onto um is is that's like Seeing it with an audience is is incredible because they like they were having such a good time mm. with it. Like they immediately like the movie does a really good job of getting you on its wavelength immediately and efficiently. Like its opening sequence is very much here's what you've signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoy enjoy the ride. Um, and like once you're there, like the audience was just eating out of the palm of his hands, and like that's incredible to see. And like for a blockbuster like this. It's exactly what you want. Like, it's, you know, salty and nuanced. Like, and I think there, there are moments that are subtle and are nuanced. Like, I think, you know, things like, say, Harley's story thread and how Harley's story thread connects back to the rest of the movie. That's more of an abstract connection where it's it's about, like, abuse. It's about self-determination. But it's less firmly articulated than all of the stuff with the other mm-hmm. characters. And it exists in its own bubble. But like, I think that like the movie is like the fact that it's not subtle is not a problem. Um, it's a very much a strength. 
I think that's a great place to start with spoilers is Harley Quinn. Uh, so why don't we put a little warning right now? Uh, you know, we've we've given we've given you a good chunk of a lot of our praise and uh, issues with the movie. Uh, but from now on, we will be talking full spoilers for the They're Suicide Squad. Spoiler squad. Spo- ooh, full spoiler squad. So heads up. Uh, I mean, yes, overall, we both very much recommend seeing the movie. That's our spoiler free review. Spoilers start now. Harley Quinn and her relationship to the evil dictator also as a sequel to the birds of prey movie and what yeah. she learned uh there is so yeah. beautiful <laughs> it, like it, like that's that's the thing about is that like and again this is what i talked about earlier like about what makes gun structuring of it so impressive to me is that like there are so many sequences that like if you are like you know one of the big things I hate in modern media criticism is the Big Bang Theory Raiders of the Lost Ark stuff, where like you look at a movie and you go, how do I determine if a movie has worth? I say, well, did the character make a difference to the outcome of the plot? And it's like, there are other things that people do that are important other than advancing oh, the plot. Raiders, I get and, it now, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where like, you know, the question of like, does Indy influence the plot of Raiders right. of the Lost Ark? And you're like, the point of that movie is Indy learning that right. God exists and that he has very little agency because God is a force that will judge the Nazis. Right. So it him not having matter. agency. It was fun yeah, him watching not- him punch Nazis. Doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> also that. I like that I'm like, I like that it works thematically. And Jack's like, no, it, it works with the punching. You remember and it remember when he punch. punched all the Nazis? That was yeah. great. Um, <laughs> But like the Suicide Squad like has all these moments that seem like they could potentially be dead end. So like Harley's big kind of like isolated plot that keeps her away from the rest of the gang. And you're looking at and you're going, you suspect what happened there is Warner's said to like Gunn, Robbie is only available for two weeks and they're not the same two weeks the rest of the cast. Find a way to put that in your script. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, that's that's not a bad like a writer who solves that problem without doing something like making it very obvious that two characters are conversing despite having filmed scenes years apart. Mm-hmm. A writer who figures out how to structure their movie to do that is a good writer. Um, and then you have like, obviously, like later on, there's a sequence where, for example, um, you know, Flag, uh, Bloodsport and Peacemaker are like abducted and arrested in the nightclub and they immediately escape. And like, I know that somewhere on the internet, somebody's angrily typing on, that was a dead end plot. It didn't advance anything. It just ate up five minutes of screen time. And you're like, no, it, it, it actually served three three important functions. The the first important function is that it, it reaffirmed to the audience that these are all three versions of the same character. Mm-hmm. That like Rick Flagg, Peacemaker and Bloodsport are three counterpoints to each other and the movie is constructed in such a way as to like contrast Peacemaker and Flag and position Bloodsport as the best of the three. And and if you didn't realize that when they literally introduced them using the same words, you might need to pay attention more to movies. Just putting that out there. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. I love love the moment where like Bloodsport's like, you you said that everybody's chosen for the new capability. He chose what I do. It's like we're the same character, but a little different. Do you get it? Do you understand what's happening? here <laughs> almost as if the movie's setting up a contrast at some point the, the second thing it does in terms of plot is it lets uh, rick flag know that harley is being held captive mm. so he needs to go and rescue her but the most important thing that it does and i don't know why i left this finger last because it's kind of painful but the most important thing that it does um is that it forces Ratcatcher um and polka dot man to act like adults mm-hmm. it puts them in a situation where they cannot count on the three grown-ups with them mm-hmm. to actually run the mission you have a moment where the thinker actually says you're not the alphas of this particular battalion and the whole 
whole point is that no, actually, these characters have grown to the point where like they can operate on instructions now. Mm-hmm. They are actually they trust themselves and each other enough that they can actually do this very small thing of abducting the man with sconic screwdrivers stuck in his head out into the van uh, <laughs> and like coming and picking right. up the three leaves after. Almost like, like that it, level it, of childhood when you can trust children to go out yeah. on their own. It's almost it's almost as if family is a metaphor in this movie. Like and, and again, like it's 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 not subtle. Like there's a, there's a wonderful it's, it's moment not, where it's not subtle. It's a, there's a moment where like Bloodsport literally turns to Ratcatcher and says, "You remind me of my daughter," and you're like, "Okay, I get it." And the moment where like Ratcatcher says, "I have no issues with how much I love my father," and it's like, "Okay, yeah, like, movie, I see what you're doing here." But it it again, there's so much going on that those things like. Those things are communicated efficiently so that you don't miss them right. because there's so much else going on around them. But things like, yeah, the, the Harley Quinn sequence is outstanding because, again, it's it's the core thematic point, which is like this is a movie like I would argue like Guardians uh, is a movie about like abuse and about characters recovering from and like claiming agency after being abused. Mm-hmm. And, like Polka Dot Man's mother turned him into a superhero. Um, you know, things like, you know, uh, Bloodsport and, and Peacemaker's fathers, like torch. Like there's a wonderful moment where like and again, the, it's not so, the moment where Bloodsport is talking about how his father would lock him in a box with rats uh, when he failed to do an assignment properly um, is not a subtle sequence. It's very much like, yeah, no, this is the character's backstory. But Gunn does this thing where he makes sure that you get reaction shots uh, from the other characters that tell you things about them. Mm. So, you know, instantly that people peacemaker's father did exactly the same thing because of how he reacts he kind of nods as if he knows what's happening which is a a beautiful choice and again reaffirms the idea that these are two sides of the same coin you don't need a peacemaker then going yeah and and my dad used to lock me in the basement with uh with insects yeah insects see it's the same but slightly different but you you understand that these two characters kind of are the same as one another. Mm -hmm. And so like with Harley Quinn, you have this idea that, yeah, she was in an abusive relationship and her arc is reclaiming agency from that. And as you point out, the fact that like it builds perfectly on Birds of Prey. I think Gunn Mm -hmm. said he didn't know Birds of Prey was a thing while he was writing it. He just knew that like Jared Leto was not coming back and had put two to two two and two together. I was like, okay, yeah, Mm -hmm. Harley Quinn has broken up with the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and, uh, to me, that was that sequence, that entire like the the courtship sequence, like their relationship (laughs) sequence. That was a true subversion for me. I really did not see that coming. And that's where I think like as like that pulling the rug out joke where where you know like they go through this whirlwind relationship and all of a sudden the evil dictator reveals his dark plans and you know harley just shoots him point blank like oh wait a minute i've had these kinds of boyfriends before like i genuinely did not see coming and loved every second of it because uh, something we don't get a lot in comic books is character growth. And yeah. we got that through these three movies with the Harley Quinn character. And it was so refreshing. And and like, not only that, like, again, the fact that like it hammers home theme as well, mm-hmm. where like the whole point is that Harley recognizes that Luna, who is the leader of a country and not like a man with damage tattooed on his head, but he is fundamentally the same as the Joker. Like he is, he might like wear a fancy uniform. He might operate mm-hmm. in a military, but he operates by the same basic logic, logic of, as a supervillain. And like, again, the movie hammering its point that like, And again, it's something that like to, and again, 
like very cautious about like making it seem like I'm giving the, the Suicide Squad, the original Suicide Squad, too much credit. But like Suicide Squad occasionally gestures vaguely in the direction of the idea that, man, maybe the government is the real supervillain here. But like <laughs> the Suicide Squad, <laughs> the Suicide Squad like really hones in on that. And it's like, no, 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 no. Waller, Waller is a cartoon villain. Like, like and, and again, the move, the fact that the movie repeatedly hammers it. And again, Hammer, 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 in case you don't get the point. How the movie establishes stakes is like children. Mm -hmm. Like, like this is, again, it's gone. And this is a movie about supervillains and they're all like bad people and there's moral ambiguity Mm -hmm. and like there's horrible graphic violence and there's jokes that are based around human suffering. But every time the movie wants you to focus it, and again, this is to Gunn's credit, every time the movie wants you to focus in on Okay, this is terrible. It's like, yeah, but children. Right. Um, so like things things like, you know, are you really gonna kill his kid? And she goes, You don't know half of what I do, John. The moment where she gets clubbed over the head by her assistant who says she was gonna kill everybody. Children, John. Um, mm-hmm. sequences where like there are children in the town. The moment where Rick Flagg is like looking at horror or what happened, and like Peacemaker's like, nobody's saying what they did was right. And Rick Flagg says, Children, <laughs> they experimented on right, children. Right. And and the movie just constantly hammers mm-hmm. like the moment that you want to the moment that somebody suggests hurting children, that is how you know they are a bad person. Uh, which is again very efficient, very effective storytelling. Um, which which helps kind of keep the thing clear. What could be a messy story mm-hmm. whenever it looks like it's getting too messy. The movie's like, yeah, but as soon as a character threatens children, they're the bad guy. Just so you just know. Just so well, and and like full cartoon, like especially yeah. with Waller, because like of course we like our heroes are villains. That's the entire premise of Suicide Squad: is these people who are gen generally villains are doing something heroic, if maybe not for the heroic reasons, but like the way in which they they turn Waller into like a mustache twirling, <laughs> kidnapping daughters and tying them to railroad tracks villain was the perfect choice. There's no nuance to her character. This yeah. is what she does. She is the real bad guy. Yes. And, and I love, like, again, like, I, like, and again, this is the thing where the movie is so good that, like, even characters who are marginal in the narrative, because, like, Waller, you can tell Viola Davis was busy doing other stuff because she's an Oscar-winning actor. Mm-hmm. But, like, you you could tell that it's like, okay, we have, like, uh, Viola Davis for, like, a week, and we have one set, maybe, and she's maybe on that. Maybe a week. Maybe. Yeah. maybe. Like, I think, I think if you look at the poster, she is 17 credited um like to give a sense of like her role in this but it's like no she has a clear like arc we know who this character is we know what she wants we know Mm -hmm. what she's doing and like we i love that the movie kind of hones in on the idea that like with characters like walla walla Walla? Walla. characters like walla walla with characters like waller traditionally like they're portrayed as chess masters it's Mm -hmm. like huh but I really knew what I was doing all along. You played right into my hands, Suicide Squad. And I like, you know, like Nick Fury in, in the MCU, where Nick Fury is like, oh, I always have a bigger plan. I always have another idea. I always got an ace uh, up my sleeve. Mm-hmm. I kind of, kind of love that the Suicide Squad is like, no, Amanda Waller's primary skill is as a bullshit artist. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's where her craft lies. So it's like how <laughs> the moment where like Bloodsport arrives, like, huh, there's no, there's no security on this beach. How do you manage to arrange that, Waller? And it's like, oh, I arrange a distraction. And that distraction consists of like throwing 11 superheroes straight into the maws of justice. Um, and like there, there are several points that where it's like, you know, so like 
what 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 is your what is your plan here waller it's like you know she gets clubbed on the head she gets knocked out she threatens to detonate um bloodshot's like explosive device inside her inside his head Mm -hmm. and then at the end like when she's on the phone to him she's like told you i'd make a leader out of you dubois and it's like no, we saw you try to push the button that blew up the brain, the brain bomb. We like we know that you're no good. Like, and and even the fact that it's so consistent as well. So things like the the moment at the start, which the audience loved when I saw, mm. it, but the the moment at the start where the like they do the initial Suicide Squad and they do the water landing and they throw the weasel in and the weasel can't swim. Yep. And like at the moment where Rick Flagg, who's like clearly had enough of this, she's like, did anybody check if the weasel could swim? And you get this reaction shot inside the office where they're like, did, no, I thought that was did you. We, did I, we did, check did, this? Did, we, we did not. We did not. And like the, 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 the and again, like because rule of three, mm. like the, uh, a couple of scenes later, you get the moment with like rat catcher where she summons the rats to attack King Shark. And it's like, and like Bloodsport kind of freaks out and it's like, why did you put somebody in a, with a rat phobia on a team with rat catcher? And Waller is like, oh, it wasn't in your file. And like, you're like, no, we, we, we saw earlier in the movie when like Sebastian tried to shake his hand that he freaked mm-hmm. out. Like, and then obviously you have like the, the sequence where like the rebel, the attack mm-hmm. on the rebel camp, which is one of the darkest jokes I have ever seen in a blockbuster where you have this wonderful moment with Peacemaker and Bloodsport brutally murdering this entire camp of people. And then the punchline is, oh, they're, they're actually the rebels who could help us take control of the capital. And it's such a dark twisted but, joke. But again, an action sequence with personality. Character. They turned it into like a little game. They turned killing people into a game because they're bad guys. Of course they would do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, and again, like, Gun, like I, I don't think Gun is necessarily like one of the clearest visual storytellers out there. But like, think when you watch the movie, think of how many shots he, he frames where he positions Bloodsport and Peacemaker on the literal opposite side of the frame. Mm-hmm. As if to tell you visually that these are two characters who are similar but different. It's almost as if they're being literally mirrored. By the way, the opening shot of the movie uh-huh. is a literal reflection. Peacemaker's helmet is, as Jack pointed out, a literal mirror. And I love that the movie like doesn't hammer like it, it trusts you to either see that or intuit mm-hmm. it or just to like think it's a pretty picture, which is nice. Well, and and really like we we're we're at about an hour now, so we should wrap up oh, soon-ish. Sorry, yeah, but like. To me, the entire the culmination of this entire movie and like what makes it so special to me, especially like as 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 someone like me who likes gross out humor, I like horror, I like weirdo action movies, I like weirdo character movies is we have our group of heroes defeating a giant alien starfish with a with a team of rats like a a a tsunami of rats and uh and our main female lead delving into the eye goop so the rats can eat the starfish from the inside like that's our hero shot is is Harley Quinn like angelically swimming in eye fluid while rats eat the inside of an alien and just say that out loud in your head. <laughs> and and like and again shot with these rich blues of like the eye goop, the rich red of her dress, the red of the blood, the contrast that you get between the mm. colors. It's really really striking, really well put together. Mm. And like the the kind of the, the moment that I really and again the, the thing that I really like is that even with all of that going on, Gunn is still like, yeah, but 
we should probably consider Starro for a, consider the starfish for a moment. But because like as Starro's dying, you get this moment where Suarez, who's wearing the Starro on his face, says, I was happy floating, just looking at the stars. And again, it's it's this idea of like the birds, like the rats, the question of like taking these things and turning them into weapons and that being something horrific and grotesque and a, a violation, which ties it Starro all. So- be, being also a villain who was misunderstood yeah. and has some good in him who has been caged for a long time and lashed out against his oppressors. Of course, yeah. it all yeah. themes together. It's so mm. well constructed. I am so psyched for Peacemaker, like the eight episode HBO series. Like when, when it was announced, I was like, do I really need this in my life? And now I'm like, yeah, yes, you do. Right need this. <laughs> I, I think John Cena is. is, is, is oh, he's so good. He's, like, and especially like his pairing with James Gunn, like letting John Cena really play like that's yeah. so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And like, like, again, so much of the casting is fantastic here. But yeah, Cena mm. is really good. And like. And again, we mentioned all the characters like Peacemaker arguably doesn't get that much to do because he's a character who is defined largely in opposition to like Rick Flagg's fundamental decency. Mm-hmm. And again, in case you don't get that Rick Flagg is fundamentally decent, you have him greeting Savant, asking like, does he what name does he prefer to go by and treating him like a human being after Waller? Mm-hmm. You have him like volunteering to help the rebels take over the government and risking his own life to bring democracy there. You have Soraya actually saying to him, you're a good man, Rick Flagg, in case you don't get it. You have him deciding to go back for uh, Harley Quinn, who he lost. Mm-hmm. And like you have like this sense. And again, like the sense that I did not care for Rick Flagg in, in Suicide Squad. I did not care for Joel Kinnaman in most English language right? roles. But like when <laughs> when he dies here, like my heart is the one that was punctured. Yes. I'm like, damn, that nice man, that sweet, <laughs> sweet man. All he wanted to do was serve his country. Um, so just let him be. Mm. Um, but like Peacemaker doesn't get as much to do like he doesn't get as much backstory he doesn't get as much exposition but like he works seen as really 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 good in the role and he gives you absolutely kind of everything that you mm-hmm. need like that he's very good at doing the broad comedy uh which is and again like anyone who has seen blockers he's really really good in blockers i think he was very good in uh train wreck with amy schumar as well which is one of his first roles but like even the small moment when he's facing Ratcatcher and he has the gun and she's like, look, you have the information. Why do you need to kill me? Like Cena playing that moment where he goes, because I'm thorough. And like, it would be so easy to make that character. And the character arguably is like a cartoon character, sure, sure. but to make him a cartoon mustache twirling mm-hmm. villain. But like the movie goes out of its way to make him not entirely sympathetic, but understandable. Like the moment when he, when he, when he finds Rick Flagg and he's like, you know, I have orders to make sure that this doesn't, doesn't get out at no matter what the cost, even a life of a hero like you. But like when he's doing that, like Cena actually plays it as a dramatic beat. It's like, I don't want to do, I believe enough in what I'm doing that I will kill Mm -hmm. you. But I also understand that what's happened here is horrible. And like, I have a human response to it. And that makes it easier as an audience member to go. Yeah. I can I can understand him. He isn't he isn't a mustache. Right, no, man. and well, like credit to Cena for being able to show that complexity. Credit to the editing for like giving us the audience like a peek into him, like his wheels turning. Like, can I yeah. do this? Like giving us just a couple quick shots of Cena's reaction while that character is figuring out the puzzle of what do I morally do? Mission over morals. And yeah, yeah, all it's just it's just all good. It's just a really good movie. (laughs) 
It's, it's really, really, really. I love that. That's that's our takeaway. Suicide Squad, really, really good. The Suicide Squad. Really, really careful, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got me there. You almost got me there, Warner. Which is like, um, by the way, also like you needed that. We needed a different name. Like it just needed a different what, name. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know about how things. I don't know how things are in the states, but over here in Ireland, we don't have HBO Max mm. uh, legally speaking. I, I use a VPN to watch it or whatever. Uh, Darren says immediately ending up on some sort of Warner's watch list for paying them to watch their content. Um, but like you have over here, uh, Suicide Squad is on Netflix, okay. and it is dominating uh, Netflix in the UK and Ireland. It is the most watched movie on in the UK and Ireland on Netflix. And part of me is wondering to what extent do people think that like Netflix has secretly managed to get a hold of the new Suicide Squad movie that everybody is raving about. And they're like, wait, this isn't what I was promised at all. This this movie sucks. Oh, critics are dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if I have any other wrap up thoughts over other than just like I really enjoyed it. It's turning me around on James Gunn as a writer. I think he has matured a lot. I feel like he is. And I don't know if this was just his relationship with Marvel, his maturing as a filmmaker and a writer or or just the the premise itself. But I felt like a lot of his jokes in Suicide Squad were given the room that they needed to really land. And I, I, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to more of his this. I don't know if I'm going to yeah. look forward to his next Guardians, but the next time he gets to make a fun R-rated movie, I'm there. Yeah, apparently he does have another project in the work for DC. Mm-hmm. And like again, and part of me is like, yeah, this is exactly where he needs yes. to be because it's like I can kind of tell that it's like for the next five years, Gunn will largely be making franchise products. He's he's making like Peacemaker for HBO Max. He's making a Guardians Holiday Special. He's making Guardians Three. Mm-hmm. He's got a secret DC project lined up. And again, without sounding dismissive, for most directors, I'd be like, yeah, but what am I missing out on while they're doing this? With Gunn, it's like, no, no, no. He he is he is enjoying himself here. He is doing the best. <laughs> work that he's doing here and he's also making the best kinds of these movies that are being made so this is this is the perfect win-win scenario and i will say that yeah this is like this is the ideal there is no reason why more blockbusters can't be at least as good as this one like we've been raving about this movie or i've been raving about this movie you've been highly praising it but like we've been we've been very excitedly talking about this movie for over an hour negative is only highly praising it exactly (laughs) that's me being the curmudgeon here (laughs) i'm actually thrilled because normally like the roles are slightly Mm. reversed and i feel like i'm the grump and i feel like i'm the grump when i talk because like i again blockbusters this season just haven't really clicked for me and it's like and the thing is like it's not it's not rocket science. Like this is not like something like say James Cameron's Avatar. Mm. Uh, that like it's not something that like changes the rules of blockbuster filmmaking. And you're like, man, Gunn really figured out the secret formula to make it work. No, Gunn figured out the formula that makes these things work consistently and has done for like thirty years. Right. And he's just he's just done it really well he's paid attention to the mechanics of the craft he's made sure that he has a good script he makes sure he knows what his actors do well he makes sure that his characters all serve a purpose he makes sure that his theming is consistent he makes sure that his action is at least coherent and occasionally individualistic he makes sure that there are motifs that simmer throughout the work he has a good uh, a good ear for soundtrack like all of these things these are not like these should not be like the 
they, they shouldn't require at the risk of sounding like they shouldn't require a savant at the risk of like alluding to the character who opens the movie. Mm-hmm. But like, it's so rare to see so many of these things done well that when you see all of them done at least above average, it's it's mind blowing. Like I, I could pick almost any character in this movie and go, that is my favorite character on this watch because they have a clear arc. They have like a good actor. Mm-hmm. They have like a consistent characterization. I like I, and again, this is the thing where I look around to make sure that nobody's like going to hit me over the head. I feel like I know more about Rick Flagg than I do about most of the Avengers. Like I, I know, like, I feel like I know more about Rick Flagg as a person, what makes him tick than I do about, you know, like Captain Marvel, for example, or Black Widow yes. um, or Hawkeye yes. um, or arguably Thor when he's not being like handled by Taika Waititi, perhaps mm. um, like and like, and it's it's not like it's not again. It's not rocket science. It's not like it's not like I'm say, I'm arguing that Rick Flag is the most complex character who ever existed in it's, the history of cinema. Like, he, it's not rocket science. Just have your character say what they want to say. Like have them say it. That's it. <laughs> have have other characters react to them. Have them behave in a way that is different from the other characters around them in such a way as to establish that difference as a way of determining like. Small example, right? And again, I'm sorry, I, I know I've been raving about this, but like small example, like towards the climax, mm. right? So you have the moment where Rick Flagg goes underground and he's confronted with Project Starfish. Yeah. And you the the idea that there are all these bodies that have been taken in there and they've been abused and they've been taken advantage of and exploited and, and something horrific has happened. Now, throughout the movie, you have consistently paralleled Peacemaker, you've consistently paralleled Bloodsport, and you've consistently paralleled Rick mm-hmm. Flagg. Rick Flagg served with Bloodsport uh, in the army. Rick Flagg recommended Bloodsport as a team leader. Peacemaker has the same childhood as Bloodsport. Peacemaker is a patriot, and Rick Flagg is a patriot mm-hmm. as well. So all these three characters are, like, from a starting point, similar. But over the course of the 90 minutes leading to this point, the movie has spent enough time telling you that Peacemaker will eat a bu- eat a beach full of dicks for liberty if he has to, and doesn't care how many men, women, and children he has to kill in order to get peace. Mm-hmm. Now, it is told you that Bloodsport does not care about what happens to people in Corto Maltese as long as his daughter doesn't go to prison, and at the same time also made sure that you know that Rick Flag not only cares about the people under his command to the point where he will go back and risk the mission to rescue Harley, but also cares about the people of Corto Maltese who he doesn't know to the point that he will enable the rebellion from going back. So you know when you see what's in the basement of Jutenheim, that those three characters would conceptually react differently. Mm. You know that Peacemaker is going to ultimately decide that the safety and security of the United States and the status quo is most important. You know that Bloodsport will do exactly what he does at the climax, which is tell himself that he doesn't care. Tell himself that he can go home. Tell himself that his job's done. And then stop halfway when he hears the screaming and go, fuck turn around because he can't live with himself because he's a fundamentally decent person mm-hmm. and you know that rick flag from the outset will know that this is monstrous and needs to stop and that's like that's very basic characterization right. that is like the, the that is the, the face level but those are three characters who would react differently to the same situation mm-hmm. and the movie nails it um and i i know that this sounds like really condescending and really trite but like so you modern blockbusters do that basic level of characterization. Well, no, Sorry. and like going going back to that that no care say right, like I th- and this yeah. is a problem that I have with with a lot of you know like we talked about this when we talked about Snyder's work is like you feel that some filmmakers either don't 
understand the character. They don't know the character. They don't care about what the character cares about, or they don't tell us what the character cares about. And it's like, that's it. It's just those three things. If you understand the character, if you care about the character, and then just have the character say those things, or like you said, have someone else say it and the character react to it. That's that's it. It's so easy. (laughs) It's so easy. (laughs) It's so easy. James Gunn can do it. Come on. Wow. Wow. (laughs) No, I. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I do worry that. Yeah, I do worry that that's the big take. That this is going to sound like really condescending. Like when we. No, no, I know, but I know. I worry like what I'm saying sounds like I'm like it's not rocket science. Like James Gunn. Like come on, man. James Gunn. Romeo and Juliet can make it. I well and no, no, I I think there is there is real skill involved. Like there is absolutely real. Yeah. No. Like I'm I'm not asking that every movie be this good at everything that this movie is good at. I'm just asking that more movies be like competent yes. at things that this movie is good at. Absolutely. Um, sorry, Absolutely. That's very loud. No, and that's that is a great place to wrap up is we just want yeah. we just want more good movies and this is such a good movie. Yeah. Uh, thanks everybody for watching and or listening to this. I know this wasn't live, so we couldn't interact with you, but I'm just so glad we got to have this conversation. Go see Suicide Squad if you haven't, or obviously if you're here for spoilers, go, go watch it again because it's super fun. Yeah. I'm gonna go watch it again. Watch it three more times. Um <laughs> No, I, to be fair, I had reasons why I watched. Other people wanted to go see it. And also because I wanted to be fresh coming into mm. this. And also because I liked it. Those are my, those are three reasons why I watched it three more times. Great, great reasons. All right. Well, bye everyone. Bye. Bye.